0: Welcome to the Gold Report, where we inspire you to be 10% more courageous in your daily life. I'm so glad that you're here. Please share and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Our guest today is Dr. Mary talley Bowden. She is a courageous freedom fighter physician who has spoken out on the effectiveness of ivermectin in treating COVID and is currently leading a movement calling to have the COVID shots removed from the market. Dr. Bowden completed her residency at Stanford University, and she's board certified in both otolaryngology and sleep medicine. She specializes in sinus sleep and allergy disorders and treats both children and adults. She's a mother of four boys, and she has spent many years on the other side of the doctor-patient relationship. Her frustrations with the traditional medical system inspired her to open Breathe MD in August of 2019, with the goal being to simplify and improve patients' office visit experiences. Breathe MD is a cash-only facility, and Dr. Bowden has opted out of all insurance plans. She resented insurance companies telling her how to best practice medicine. So she treats patients as she sees fit. Dr. Bowden is currently working to publish her findings from recent COVID-19 testing. She's on the advisory team of FLCCC and a member of AAPS. She recently founded the Coalition for Health Freedom, a grassroots effort to bridge 1,300 like-minded health organizations to take collective action. We're delighted to have Mary Talley Bowden with us today. Well, it's so great to finally meet you, Dr. Bowden. I'm delighted to have you on the show. And you have an amazing story. I know that you've probably told it many, many times, but I'm not sure that all of our audience is familiar with it. If you'd just like to bring the audience up to speed as to what has happened to you in the last couple of years.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Simone. And yeah, I'm an ear, ear, nose, and throat doctor in Houston, Texas, a solo physician. I never imagined I'd be caught up in all of this. I, I started seeing COVID patients. Not, I did not have a busy clinic, um, but we were doing a lot of testing initially because we had access to a saliva test, so people liked that because they didn't have to have the swab. So my little clinic exploded because of that. And then I would tell patients, go see your primary care doctor. And we know what happened next. They would come back to me and say, well, my primary care doctor won't see me. So that didn't sit well with me. So initially, I actually didn't know about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and, you know, all the things you were doing. Um, So I did, you know, breathing treatments and antibiotics, steroids, and I had some success. And then monoclonal antibodies came about started using those. Those worked great. People would turn around the next day. The government started to take over distribution and it became harder and harder to get those. So that's when I started looking into ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. started using those, saw that they worked just as well as the monoclonal antibodies. But so I'm in Houston and Houston Methodist Hospital is the first hospital in the country to start the mandate. They started it three months before Biden did. And I had privileges there. I wasn't strongly affiliated with them. I'd actually never set foot in that hospital. I just had it as a backup just in case I needed to admit somebody. But I had a lot of patients coming to me very distraught over the mandates. And I also, you know, back then I was pretty cautious on social media. I said things like, Ivermectin works and vaccine mandates are wrong. Well, I one day I went out and tweeted the same message 25 times in one day. And it said, vaccine mandates are wrong. And then I put a patient testimonial. Five days later, Methodists went after me in a very public fashion. They went to Twitter and announced that I was spreading dangerous misinformation. They went to the Houston Chronicle. I actually found out that my privileges were suspended from a text message from the Houston Chronicle. They went to the Washington Post. So they didn't do what's typically done. If there's a problem with one of the physicians, you would typically have a phone call or a meeting in private. You wouldn't go straight to the media. Uh, But they basically targeted me. They used me to show an example of, you know, what's going to happen. This is what happens if you speak out, right? Because they were quite proud of being the first in the country to mandate the shots. And they did not like me speaking out against them. so.
0: So I don't know. I know, you know what we did generally. But America's frontline doctors, our mission has always been the vaccine mandates. Our mission was not really early treatment. Maybe that's FLCCC. Of course, we supported it. Um, and it wasn't even particularly against these shots, which were terrible, not safe or effective, but it was against vaccine mandates because that would outlive any any kind of illness. So I, I want to talk with you about the fact that this issue of the mandates actually went up to the Supreme Court. And you probably know this, that the Supreme court ended up on with two cases and they split their decisions. So for ordinary Americans working for a company, the federal government said, you cannot mandate the shots, but if you were working for healthcare, like a hospital system, you could mandate the shots. It was a five, four decision. It was a terrible decision. What I'm getting to is that I worked on a couple of these cases and what the public needs to realize is Even if you thought the shots worked and you wanted your doctor or nurse to take the shot because you're a patient and that's what you believe, the numbers of people that this affected hadn't, it was like 10 to one that they weren't on the front line. These affected accountants, these affected um, secretaries, you know, in their offices at home because you know, everybody was working from home. So we were fighting for people who didn't even have any frontline exposure at all. And I share that because it's revealing the lie. It's. again, had this been safe and effective and had people wanted it, that's not even who they were going after. They were going after people who never saw a patient, a housekeeper, et cetera. So good for you for standing up and good for you for pointing out for people how different they treated you than other doctors who they want to have a conversation with. Right. They went right to the media, right to the public. And then and then you gave as as good as they were trying to give you. You weren't going to take a knee. Right.
1: Well, I mean, I just, you know, they, they made me so mad. I, I immediately resigned, um, and then in turn, they reported me to the medical board. I'm still dealing with that because you can't resign while under investigation. So I'm I've got that hearing coming up. Um, but then I had a press conference because I wanted to get my side of the story out there. Because you know that Methodist hospitals is worth thirteen billion dollars. They have a lot of power. Houston is home to the largest medical center in the world. So I knew I didn't have much of a chance and I tried to get my side of the story out. And then I went back and then I sued them for defamation and still waiting on the outcome of that. It was initially dismissed and I've appealed.
0: So justice delayed is justice denied. Um, As you know, I'm a lawyer and I remember learning about the defamation laws in law school. So this is a long time ago. There was a case, you probably know it now Sullivan versus New York times. And even in law school, I knew this was a ridiculous outcome that the Supreme court, so the Supreme court held in Sullivan versus New York times. And I think it was in the eighties, this case or the nineties, eighties probably. And they, they just, the Supreme court distinguished between public people and private people back then before the internet, perhaps it made sense to the justices that some people were famous like actors and perhaps the justices couldn't have imagined that there would be a time when the distinction between public and private would be so blurred or Or change so easily. One day you were completely anonymous, the next day you're not. But even in law school, I knew that was a terrible decision to distinguish between public and private people because I knew that the day would come that it would be hard to distinguish, right? Because you might have an actor that is in a hit movie and all of a sudden becomes a public person. So the problem with yours and my defamation cases is that the judges look at them through the lens that you're a public person, which I don't think should be the lens at all. Either... (laughs) What they've said is defamatory, false, et cetera. And it doesn't matter if you're public or you're private, but the burden of proof according to the Supreme court has to be much higher if you're a public person, but you weren't even a public person. Right. Well, that's my art. I wasn't public until
1: they made me public, right? No one had knew who I was. I mean, maybe locally, but nothing, nothing to this. I mean, I had people across the world reach out to me, good and bad, (laughs) um, after that, after that hit the news. So yeah, they made me public.
0: Right. So I'm trying to explain to people that we are unfortunately dealing with very flawed laws in our country that are distinguishing Dr. Bowden's or reducing Dr. Bowden's chances of getting a defamation uh, um, damage award from our hospital because our hospital is claiming she's public, but they're literally the ones who made her public. And that Distinction shouldn't exist anyway. The threshold should be as it always was. Did they say something false that was harmful to you? I still think you're going to prevail in your defamation lawsuit. That would be my prediction, Um, et cetera, because you had defamation per se, et cetera. Anyway, I'm sure you've got good lawyers on that. So, what walk, you know, fast forward a little bit. So, you're all of a sudden in the middle of a a big fight. I, I am curious as a mom, you know, you pick up your kids from school. Did this become a factor in your daily life and your relationships with people?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was luckily most of my kids at the time are going to a school that is very like-minded. They didn't lock down. They didn't require masks. So I was fortunate in that respect. I did have one of my kids was applying for high school right when this hit and he didn't get in anywhere. And I was told from somebody on the board of one school that was because of me being in the media. Um, but you know, for the most part, they, they are surrounded by people that are mostly like minded So it hasn't been an issue. Um, and they, they are definitely on my side. So that has been okay.
0: So I try to, I, it's so good that you're in Texas. You know, I left Los Angeles and I live in Florida now. And the two obvious choices were, you know, Texas or Florida. And But I will say that Texans are different than anybody else. I traveled the nation in 2021 speaking and Texans absolutely had more of a sense of freedom and a sense of don't tread on me than than really anywhere else in the nation. So I'm glad that that wasn't as terrible as it was. For me in California, it was quite terrible it was quite terrible. So, um, and how has it been for you professionally? I, I know as an ear, nose and throat surgeon, you wouldn't do most of your procedures at a hospital anyway. I totally get that. That's just a backup. So you're able to comfortably practice your profession.
1: Yeah. With- I mean, I, since losing privileges at Methodist, I haven't even tried to get privileges anywhere else just because I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure what would happen. Right. Um, and you know, I, I have, my, the patients that come see me have googled me and they know what they're getting into but uh, I mean I do you know I feel like I was kicked out of the I used to be on this online forum for with other ENTs across the country. I was I loved that thing because you could just bounce off problem patient problems all the time. I was kicked off that um and you know i worry i know that there are the majority of doctors out there think very poorly of me uh even in texas i think texas is not as red i think the medical community in texas is not as freedom thinking as you would believe right so i feel a little bit isolated but in other ways you know i've made a lot of new connections new friends um, so.
0: I want I want to share with you you may not know um so I've been working for 2 years on a on a solution to this because half the nation is desperate for people like you and me half, literally half the nation I think perhaps more so in your free time go check out goldcare.com goldcare.com this is the like-minded community that you're seeking and we are continually growing we have telemedicine now in all 50 states but we want to partner with people in the community. We don't want to compete with people in the community. When people need to see somebody in person, we want to give them somebody in the community who's like-minded. So just check it out, goldcare.com. And as you already do, just have faith and courage because it's, it's coming. It's coming. The pressure from the, the market is going to, I think, correct a lot of this because people will want other solutions. I agree with you, though. Hospital work is out of the question. And eventually that there will need to be alternatives to that. I'm an emergency physician. I spent a gazillion years like you training for that. And there's no chance I could ever go back to a hospital. They wouldn't want me. And I know too much at this point. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, just, I hear you and I empathize with, with, you know, you, you set your life on a certain trajectory and it ends up on another trajectory but I'm telling you because I'm a, I'm the recipient of a lot of mail that people are very anxious for doctors like yourself. So they are going to come find you. And and again, we do this show because we want to encourage people to take more courageous action in their own life. It could be something big or something, I'm sorry, something that turned out to be big, like what happened in your case, you know, because it was kind of forced upon you or it could be something kind of small. But if you could just share with the audience, you know, some some kind of words of positive encouragement because I think people are very afraid sometimes to speak out because they see the price, but I don't think they see the benefit. And I'm just, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how it's been for you? Would you make well, different decisions or?
1: No, I mean, would It's been difficult. It's been a lot of ups and downs, but I would never take it back. I wouldn't. I don't regret speaking out one bit. One bit. I feel like I've done the the right thing and the right things are often hard, but hard things are impactful. And I look at this as, you know, we, yeah, I look at residency. That was five years. That was a battle, right? I had four kids in five years. That was a battle. it's just another battle of life. And, you know, life is like that. It's messy and it's hard, but hard things are, are worthwhile. And I know I'll look back on this and say, You know, I'm glad I did it, and you know we are moving the needle. It's not happening as fast as I would like it, but we are moving the needle, and you can see that, and how many people are taking the latest shot, right? And the numbers vary, but a minimal amount of people
0: are buying into this. Very low. Yeah, as I say, they're voting with their feet. I think it's—I literally think it's around two percent. Um, And it's shameful that our nation is one of the, I I shouldn't say, I don't know the exact numbers, but our nation pushes the shots hard and it's not true across the world. Um, That is a surprise to most people. So I just, uh, you know, I I just want to say I have a tremendous amount of admiration for you. And I also have a lot of empathy because I know how hard it is. And I'm glad that like me, you wouldn't change anything because it's just what has to be done. And I love how you phrased it. You know, I had four kids in five years. Residency was five years. These are battles. These are difficult, but you wouldn't change it. I totally get that. I appreciate everything you've done. And um, and I can't wait till you discover all about GoldCare.com, and so we can refer patients to you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Please. I'll be delighted to know you. I don't know if there's any any last words you might want to say or share your website or URL or... Well,
1: I don't know if you've seen what we've been doing, but we started a movement amongst legislators, basically political, politicians, elected officials, people running for office who are all calling for the COVID shots to be pulled off the market. And it started two months ago with just three people. And now we're up to 230 people, I believe, on our list. We've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. We've got Thomas Massey. We've got the Surgeon General of Florida, we've got Senator Ron Johnson, uh, but the list keeps growing. And that has been very encouraging to see that just, you know, these politicians are coming out of the woodworks and coming together with a single clear message that these COVID shots need to be pulled off the market.
0: Actually, so I said that in my intro review, and I'm so glad you circled back to that. I, th- I thought that was a brilliant initiative. We'll put the link up for sure. And I will share it with a few legislators that whom I know who may not already be on your list. I'll have to check your list and double check. Um, Fantastic, fantastic work. That's how we do it. That's how we do it, folks. That's how you do it. 10% more courage in your own life. Exactly like that. Thank you so much, Dr. Bowden for your time today. And just, you know, for the righteous way you choose to live. Oh,
1: Thanks for having me, Simone.
0: Thank you for today's installation of the deadly disinformation dozen video series. We will watch a video clip of somebody who a lot of us think is behind most of the movement across the world to turn us into a single global entity with a tiny group of elitists in power. Watch this and decide for yourself. The White House pointed to an aggressive online misinformation effort by a handful of bad actors. Misinformation on social media is killing people. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is
1: vaccinated. No one's safe till everyone's safe. No one is 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 safe from COVID-19 until everyone is
0: 99.5% of people are safe and will survive COVID-19.
1: The only positive thing out of this is we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and
0: nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. If not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. You know
1: you're vaccinated, you're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are. The unvaccinated people. If only we had a vaccine against BS.
0: Thank you for joining The Gold Report. We hope to inspire you to be 10% more courageous. Please like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you next week.